This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So I got real quiet there and still before the Lord. That's Bible. That's biblical. The Lord said, be still and know that I'm God. And I believe we as human beings, oftentimes, we are such a moving society. And we got to be doing something. And I believe it's very important we learn to do this, that God will move in those times where we just obey the word of God and be still and know he's God. So that's what took place. Well, I blow all of you kisses whether you like it or not. Glad to see you here today. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up? I'm going to start in the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, um, our, main spirit, our main scriptural text has been the 103rd Psalm, but I'm just going to quote a little bit of that to you. You're going to Galatians chapter 5. So in Psalms 103, King David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, I'll bless your holy name. And then he said, Forget not my benefits. When you give your heart to Jesus and Jesus becomes your Lord, You've come into the the benefits of the kingdom of God. And the very first one, he said, he forgives your iniquities. Now, we know iniquities have to do with with generational stuff. It's it's embedded. It's entrenched. It's practice. It's habitual sin. That's probably been in your bloodline a long time. But he said, the benefit is he forgives your iniquities. Let me give you a little, little insight on that. God wants you to be forgiven. God wants every one of us to be forgiven. And that's the very first one. And so a lot of times I've had people ask this question. So I've I've confessed my sin and I've confessed my iniquities. But why do I keep repeating these same things over and over? Why, Why do these certain behaviors just seem like they keep reoccurring? And that may be you today. So we begin in Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom by which Christ has made us free. Now, I believe the word of God. I don't believe that was just thrown in there for the fun of it. He said, stand fast. Hang on to it. That you can live in the freedom that Christ has made us free. Not that he's going to make, he's already done it. And so there's a nugget of truth there. So does Jesus want me to be made free? Absolutely. And he goes on to say, and do not be entangled again. Don't be tied up again. Now, just that statement right there tells me real quick, this is a possibility Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, when Jesus sets us free, his freedom isn't temporarily and it's not partially. I believe Jesus wants to do it completely. See, Jesus didn't come to set us free from from the, the things that have bound us years and years and then just go back to them. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus came just so we can cope with things. He doesn't want us just to tolerate things. He said his desire was we'd be made free and that we'd stay free. 
Verse 2. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, you can take a deep breath, okay? I'm not going to talk on circumcision very much. In the Old Testament, circumcision was an outward view of being in covenant. So it's interesting right here. He said that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So in the Old Testament, as circumcision became their identity, in the New Testament, Jesus is my identity. And when Jesus becomes Lord of your life and my life, we become sons and daughters by the new birth. And so when you see circumcision here, circumcision has to do with keeping every law and every regulation that took place in the Old Testament. Can I help you with that just a little bit? For me and you to obey every law in the Old Testament, it's impossible. We couldn't do it and we can't do it. So if I look at obeying out of my abilities instead of looking to Jesus, I profit nothing from what Christ Jesus did for me. So this is telling us, turn it over to Jesus. How'd you get born again? Well, some people may say, I got born again because I obeyed 23 days straight. No, that's not how you got born again. You got born again by grace through faith. Verse 3, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor or obligated to keep the whole law, every bit of it. Verse 4, you have become estranged. You have been cut off from Christ. You who tempt to be justified by the law. Now that word justified there, you try to become righteous in God's eyes by your ability of obeying the law. But look what this one ends with, and I think this will really give us insight. You have fallen from grace. And so the effective operating power of God's grace becomes ineffective in the life of anyone who looks to his own efforts. So if I've been saved by grace through faith, the way I walk in the freedom that Christ has made me free, Father God, grace me. Grace me. And let me help you with a little bit with that. That takes all the pressure off of you. God never designed for it to be on you in the first place. So the grace is this. Well, Father God, I welcome it again today. I welcome your grace to help me walk in forgiveness day by day by the grace of God. So when I'm looking at this here in Galatians chapter 5, what he's talking about, the thought of the Lord's prayer came up within me, and that's Matthew 6, which says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. 
but delivers from the evil one. Now, I want you to think about that last phrase. I'm asking Father God to grace me, to lead me not into temptation. Grace me, Father God. I, I welcome your grace again. So if I'm looking at everything in my abilities, I'm going to yield to temptation. Not if, just when. But when I start allowing the grace of God to work with, something happens. Grace me, Father God. Now, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 8. John, chapter 8, and we're going to be in John for a little bit today. And so this passage of Scripture here will show us precisely a lot of the things I'm already talking about right now. John, chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Now, there's a little nugget in there right there. He came again into the temple. You know what I see here? Going to the church was a big deal to Jesus. It was a big deal. To, it still is a big deal. You know why I say that? Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't forsake the assembling together. Something happens, and so Jesus goes to the temple in Jerusalem, or close by it, and he sat down and taught them. What do you think he taught them? You think Jesus told them a few funny jokes? You think Jesus got into the philosophies of men? Did, did Jesus talk about the social issues of our society? No. Jesus preached the word of God. He preached the gospel. That's what he did. Verse 3. Then the scribes, the religious, the Pharisees, the couldn't sees, and the wouldn't sees, they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst. Now I want you to get a picture of this. This would be like us right now here on Sunday morning. Jesus is in the temple preaching the word of God. We're all sitting around and all of a sudden the religious leaders, the scholars, the experts of the Old Testament, they come strolling in and they got this woman caught in adultery. And they get a seat and they sit her right in the middle. You're talking about a hot seat. That's it. Now I don't know about you, but when I read that right there, That'd really make you want to go to church, wouldn't it? We forget real quick Jesus died for sinners. We forget real quick Jesus' desire was to seek and save those who are lost. So when I read this, when did the church quit welcoming sinners? Because if that was the case, there wouldn't be any of us in here. Verse 4, and they said to him, Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. She's, she's guilty, Jesus. She did it. Now, if they caught her in the act, they caught her red-handed. But these religious leaders have already broke the law because if you look at the law, Adultery was sin, but it was to be judged by Father God. And in order to be judged by Father God, 
They had to get the man too. This is what's interesting about this. The man is nowhere to be found. But to commit adultery, it takes two. Verse five. Now Moses, or doesn't Moses in the law, command us that such should be stoned? But what do you say? And, and so now they're getting to the letter of the law. They're living by the law. And to live by the law, you've got to obey every regulation, every rule. And we know that's impossible, but that's what they're quoting to him. She's guilty, Jesus. Now, I think about this, and I thought, you know, that'd be like tomorrow morning you go to work and you get around some of your coworkers, and they'd say, what'd you do yesterday? And I said, went to church. What happened to church? We stoned to death this crazy lady who was caught in adultery. And every time I read those things, I think, man, have we gotten this so far away from the things of God? Verse 6. This they said, testing him that they might have something which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote it on the ground with a finger as though he, he did not hear them. Now, this is going to be one of the great reruns in heaven. Because when Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the ground, I, I don't believe he was doodling. I don't believe he was making little pictures of stars. I have some thoughts. And I wonder the first time if he bowed down, if he didn't write out L-O-V-E. First Peter 4, verse 8 says, The love of God covers a multitude of sin. Forgiveness must be fervent. Now, I don't know that he wrote that. Because again, in my mind, I think of things I would have wrote. I wouldn't have wrote love. I would have wrote I-D-I-O-T. Idiot, okay? That's what I would have wrote. Thank God Jesus doesn't see people that way. Verse 7, so when they continued to ask him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Uh-oh. You who are without sin, you go ahead and you pick up the first stone and you throw at her. Now, the Passion Translation says it this way, and it's very powerful the way it says it. It says, he who has never had a sinful desire. You know where that is? That, that's Matthew 5. Actually, it's Matthew 5, 28. That Jesus said this, that he who looks upon a woman in a lustful way has already committed sexual sin in his heart. Uh-oh. Can I help you with that one? We're all guilty of something in our heart or our thought life. Not me, pastor. Yeah, you're just kidding yourself, Okay. And so Jesus makes this statement to them. These guys who, who thought they were so spiritual. Now watch what happens. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. I believe this time he probably wrote G-R-A-C-E. What about the grace of God? Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience 
The truth exposed their conscience. The Lord said in John 16, 7, he said, for this reason the Spirit of God was sent to convict us of sin. Now, this is a good thing. The conviction of God leads us to a place of repentance to say, I'm wrong, Father God. And this is what's taking place here. And so he said they were being convicted by their conscience and they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was alone left and the woman standing in the midst. Now I I wonder, the temple ends, everybody's gone. And it's just her and Jesus. And I'm wondering at first, or is she thinking, man, is lightning fixing to strike me? What's fixing to happen? But watch this. When Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Where are all the lawyers? Where are all the judges? Where did they go? Did no one convict you? Now, powerful. And she said, no one, Lord. No one, Lord. She addresses Jesus as her Lord. A woman who was just caught red-handed in adultery addresses Jesus as Lord. Now, let me paraphrase in there some things that didn't take place. Jesus didn't say, shut up, crazy woman, and go get your act together. He didn't address her and say, who do you think you are addressing me as Lord? My point in this is right here. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus came and he died for your sin. No matter who you are. Now the only one of them there that... Go ahead, Bob, clap. He's ready to clap for me. The only one there that day that could have condemned her was Jesus. He was the only one without sin. Watch Jesus' response. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I convict you. Now, I'm going to speak this to some of you in here. Sometimes we have the thought, I've done such bad things, Jesus could never forgive me. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. Again, he died to seek and save the lost, and he died to destroy the works of darkness. He fulfilled both of those. So he said, neither do I condemn you. But look how he ends verse 11. And go and sin no more. He didn't condemn her, but he didn't ignore the sin either. If we looked at what he said in John 5, he said in another situation, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, if Jesus says, I don't condemn you, and Jesus says, don't go and sin no more, that must be a possibility. So just because you give your heart to Jesus and he's Lord, man, I got to get over to his grace to say, Lord, help me. I don't want to sin no more. I don't want to keep doing those old things I used to. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. He who confesses his sin and forsakes his sin will have mercy. We're pretty good at confessing, but how well are we at forsaking? 
The reason we have a, fors- a hang up with our forsaking is when I try to do that out of my stinking willpower, it never works. But when I say, Father God, grace me, I don't want to sin no more. Remember the apostle Paul said, the things I do, that's what I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I do. I've been there. But something happens when I ask Jesus, the same God, the same Savior, the same man, that I've been saved by grace through faith. He said, you confess and forsake, you would be blessed with mercy. Mercy me, Lord, help me. Now, I'm going to stay in the book of John chapter 8. But I want you to look with me in verse 31. And this passage gets real interesting because we're going to a place called the classroom of reality. The only teacher in the classroom of reality is the Lord Jesus. And the only ones that are permitted in that classroom are the ones that are born again. Because if you're not born again, that's the starting point, okay? John 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those, uh, those Jews who believed in him, Some believe that the Jews that believed in him were some of the very ones who were about to witness that stoning. They believed in him. They got born again. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, you shall perceive the truth, you will understand the truth, you will recognize the truth, and within the truth it will make you free. There is power within the word of God to make you free. Now, I've heard people quote this many times, John 8, 32. And they'll say it just like this. You know, the truth, the truth will set you free. You know, the truth, the truth will set you free. There is an element of truth to that. But verse 32 does not work without obeying verse 31. Now back up with me, and I want you to see something here. Jesus said in verse 31, if you abide in my word, that word abide means to embrace my word, to live by my word, to welcome the word. So when I get over and I say, Lord, I welcome your word within me, something begins to take place, and that truth will set you free. Have anybody in here, have you ever been set free by the word of God? I have. I have. Was it because, Pastor, you're such a scholar? No. It happens when we continue to stay with the word of God. I stay with the word day by day by day. And that little seed of the word of God, which the Lord said, the seed of the word of God shall not return void. As long as I keep abiding in that word, that that little seed starts taking root. And I keep in the word, and all of a sudden, up above the ground comes this thing. And before long, there's flowers, there's blossoms all over that. And before long, you've got these big old fat tomatoes like I have right now. Eat your heart out. I'm growing great ones this year. 
I got to stay with the word. Watch Jesus' next, next comments here, verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. Ancestral lineage does not guarantee right here spiritual freedom. They were descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were covenant, but they said we've never been in bondage to anyone. Now this is hilarious. These are the same Yahoos. They had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Now you're talking about deceived. Some messed up folk. How can you say we will be made free? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. But I'm no longer a slave to sin. Jesus has done that. So when I look at this, we must understand whoever you serve, whether somebody or something becomes your master. And, and we become caught in these two kingdoms, the kingdom of light, which leads to freedom and blessing, and the kingdom of darkness, which leads to sin and a curse. And guess which one wins? The one you hang out with the most. The one you ask to come in and, and influence your life. And, and so right here, Jesus gives us incredible passage here. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Ooh, stay with the word. Stay with the word, okay? Day by day by day by day. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the Word of God is working mightily in me. And I can tell you in my own life about the Word of God. I'd obey it, I'd obey it. Then there was times I would stumble. Do you know the Proverbs say? A righteous man will, will fall or stumble seven times, but he gets back up. Some of you, you need to dust the, knee, the, the dirt off your knees and say, I'm getting back up today with the grace of God. I'm a son or a daughter of God by birth. That's my father. I'm getting back up. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Another insight of Jesus going to church. Now, the first one was in Jerusalem. This one's in Nazareth. But isn't it interesting? He said, which was his custom? Church was a big deal to Jesus. Something happens when the body of Christ comes together. And so he stood up and read and was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, I want to highlight what he's getting ready to read. He's getting ready to read Isaiah 61. In this passage, you're going to see physical healing, spiritual healing, and emotional healing. Read. Keep reading. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know who the poor are? Every one of us. We're poor spiritually. And the cure for us poor spiritually? The gospel. It'll work. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. When we talk about the brokenhearted, that is people that are wounded on the inside. They, they are literally scarred. They are emotionally bruised on the inside. Now I can look at every one of you today, you can look at me, and outwardly we can be cool, calm, and collected. We can look like we got it together outwardly, but on the inside, I wonder how many sitting here right now are bruised so bad that you literally in the spirit realm on the inside, you have black eyes. Your nose is bleeding. Your lip is bleeding. You got broken bones. Things that have happened to us that have scarred our heart that we never deal with or we never allow Jesus to heal us. And he said, I came to heal the broken heart. So when we don't allow Jesus to heal that broken heart, there becomes a bruising within us and that bruising leads to a bondage. Now this is what it normally looks like. I sweep everything under the rug. I have the thought. It's just going to go away. How many of you ever been there? That's me to a T. That was me. I just would sweep everything under the rug. And, and every one of us have this filing cabinet right here of all the things in our, our lives that have hurt us, that have wounded us and broken us. But many times we shut that filing cabinet and we lock it up and we say, oh, nobody's getting in there. And then we limp through life spiritually. We're all bruised and battered. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Don't miss Wednesday night. There's going to be some teaching on emotional healing. Keep reading real quick. And recover his sight to the blind physically. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those, those who are oppressed. Oof. So when I look at everything Jesus did, he wants to heal us spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. So when I read this was a Jesus' assignment, this was his purpose. He knew that was going to be done for people. He knew that was going to be done for most of us in this, this house today. You know what I've gotten in my life where I'm saying, Lord, heal me. Heal me emotionally, physically. Heal me where, Lord, where I, I can go through this life and actually enjoy the journey. And your battle, guys, isn't with your spouse. It's not with your children. It's not with your, your parents. It's a spiritual battle. And the devil, he'll rip you off as long as he can. So what do we got to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to Matthew chapter 16, and we'll end with this. Whoo, this is powerful, guys. Jesus is getting ready to load you up with an incredible weapon. For some of you, you may have never heard this. And for others of you, this is going to be a great refresher. So we're in Matthew 16. Jesus gets around his disciples and he says, Phyllis, who do men say that I am? And they said, some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're a priest. 
Some people say you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus looks at him and asks the same question I'm fixing to ask you. He said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Now let me ask you that right now. Who do you say that Jesus is? See, again, that ancestral lineage doesn't get you. I don't care who grandma says he is. I don't care who Uncle Buck says he is. He said, who do you say that I am? See, in heaven, there's not going to be grandchildren. There's just going to be children. So when he said, who do I say, who do do you say that I am? The apostle Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And when Peter said that, Jesus looks at him and responds and says, blessed are you, Peter, son of Barjona. And the word blessed there, he said, you're privileged and you're favored. So when you get born again, you come under a blessing immediately. God looks at him and he says, that's my boy. That's my girl. He's Lord of my life. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it or against my church. Now, when he says, you're Peter, the rock, the confession of Jesus as Lord becomes the bedrock of every one of us as foundation. Without Jesus being Lord, None of this is possible. And I know I'm highly emphasizing it. You got to be born again. Woo, Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord. I welcome you. And so if Jesus is Lord of your life, the Lord Jesus himself said, and I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. Now, when Jesus said that, the church isn't this building. The church isn't this carpet or these chairs. The church is people. And the Lord Jesus just declared, he said, and I'll build my church through people who got born again and the gates of hell won't prevail against my people. Two of you are happy. Verse 19. We'll get your pen out, okay? And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If you notice who said that, this is red letter words. So you know what Jesus said? I'm going to give you the keys. You know what keys symbolize? Keys symbolize authority. So do you know what Jesus just said? He said, Gloria, because you're born again, here's the keys of the kingdom. Here's the authority of the kingdom. You know how power of authority is? The Bible says that Jesus' name is the name above every name. In heaven, earth, and hell. That's Philippians 2. The name of Jesus is power. Colossians 3.17 says that everything you do in word or deed, you do in the name of Jesus. So because he's Lord of my life, Jesus' name. I come in Jesus' name. I'm justified. I am the righteousness because of Jesus. You're righteous because of Jesus. I've been sanctified. I've been set apart. I've been declared holy because of Jesus. Here's a good one, Psalms 107. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
You know what redeemed means? You've been repurchased. So what Jesus did for you, he said, because of me, you can walk in divine life, divine health, and divine blessings. So Jesus is telling me, say it. Say it. Speak it out of your mouth. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I walk in divine life. I walk in divine health. I walk in divine blessings because Jesus said so, and I'm a son of God. But he didn't stop there. I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you, he didn't say whatever he, he said whatever you. He didn't say whatever the pastor, whatever the priest. He said whatever you, whatever you bind on earth. The word bind has the meaning to forbid. There's the keys. Bind, forbid. I bind up the generational sin that has tried to be active and dominate my bloodline in Jesus' name. But he didn't quit. And he said, and whatever you loose wear right here on earth will be loosed in heaven. That word loose means to permit. One, one meaning in the Greek said to welcome. Whatever you welcome here on earth will be welcome or co-signed in heaven. Ooh, I, I loose the blood of the Lamb. I loose the name of Jesus. I loose redemptive power right now because greater is He's in me than he that's in the world. Now, to help you understand those two words, to bind and to loose, those have the meaning to lock or to unlock. So Jesus said, here's the keys. Sometimes you just got to lock and say, uh-uh. But other times, I unlock the blessings and I say, I welcome you today, Lord. I welcome the King. I welcome that. Just a quick reference on that to help you. Luke 10, 17, the disciples came back and they said to Jesus, they said, Lord Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, he said, and I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, the devil and demons, and over all the power of the enemy. Jesus' words. So I hear the Lord say to me quite frequently, you're putting up with too much. There's things happen in your life. You're putting up with too much. Don't put up with that. And even the deal with the, the, the miracle with the young man, the Lord said, why are you putting up with that? You're the church. You're the body of Christ. Ooh, I got all kinds of stories I can tell you. Once you stand on your feet, I'm going to have to slow down here. <laughs> the goodness of God. See, the reason I'm telling us this, Lord, I welcome your grace today. I welcome your grace today. But I look at generational iniquities and generational stuff. And the Lord said, Now, I've done everything I'm going to do. 
years ago, Kenneth Hagin, who was the, the man of God that I got to sit under for a couple years, he was in this vision or this trance. And the Lord Jesus was, was talking to him. And he said the whole time he was talking to me, he said this devil came up. And this devil would just sit there and go, yakety yak, 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 yak. And he said Jesus would talk, but I couldn't hear him. And he'd say, what? And the little demon would go, yakety yak, yak, yak. And he just kept on. And, and, and Brother Hagin said, I kept wondering, when's Jesus going to do something about it? And Jesus kept talking, and the little demon kept yakking. And finally, Kenneth Hagin said, Shut up! In the name of Jesus. And he said, The demon took off. And when he took off, the Lord Jesus looked at him and said, I was wondering when you were going to do something about it. And he said, I said, You were wondering when I was going to do something about it. And Jesus looked and said, I've already done everything I was supposed to do. I gave you the keys. I gave you the keys. I ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And I pray the word of God stirred you today. I pray it lit a a fuse of dynamite of the power of God on the inside of you. So if you're here today, and the very first thing, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, I welcome you today and to help you with that who do you say that I am and out of your heart if you can't say he's the Lord of my life maybe today you need to give your heart to Jesus but that's got to be your choice I can't choose that for you I'd like to but if you're here today and you need to give Jesus your heart I welcome you be a man or woman come on out of your chair Run, 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 run. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. I need Jesus today. Well, I'm going to goof all you guys up on live stream. I'm coming off the stage. Would you stretch your hands out here and let's pray. Father God, we pray right here. We pray your blessing. Father God, the same, same question that, Lord Jesus, you ask all the disciples. Who do you say that I am? You say that. He said, he's my master, my savior, my Lord. Wow. He's my master, he's my savior, my Lord. Can you echo that from me? He's my master, he's my savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me today. Thank you today. And remember what he said. He, he said, blessed are you, Peter, son of Barthel. Blessed are you. So he came under a blessing. But if you're here today, I'm telling you, I think Jesus wants us to go further. Salvation, that's the bedrock. Don't ever forget that. Oh, I'm a child of God.
and he's been deputized by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I'm, I'm coming today. I'm receiving everything you got. And so again, I believe he's wanting to stir up on the inside. You are a woman and a man of God that have been authorized to bind and to loose. Gracious, Lord, gracious. So they're going to sing, I welcome you. Just come down and get full of God, okay? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.